Hello, one and all, and welcome to the 244th episode of the Voluntary Viewing Podcast, coming to you on Monday, February 12th, 2024. Andrew, was this a good football season? What makes something a good football season? Did that Super Bowl retroactively make this not a great football season? It was a weird football season. Okay. Like that, I think everyone's kind of in consensus with that. Mm-hmm. This is a weird football season full of very weird games, really weird storylines of like players being better than they should have or not being as good as they thought. You know, coaches being fired at weird times. Yeah. Other coaches being held on to way longer than they should have been. Belichick. Uh, yeah, Belichick. Uh, Ron Rivera, um, that that sort of shit. But also at the same time, there was a lot of like really bad rough situations. Like everyone was kind of in agreement that this season has been really bad. It's not just like a narrative thing that the refereeing has been, or I, the officiating has been poor. I... It's been very inconsistent. It there's been a lot of really bad game changing calls more so than usual Um, Uh, kind of crystallized in that uh, I thought overly litigious uh, Super Bowl game but then also I mean that trick play that the 49ers did was cool there are about five different simultaneous uh, penalties that should have prevented it from happening but you know it was cool yeah I mean it the I remember seeing right before the game started they were like Let's get an idea of what the officiating crew is like, because we live in a world where like that matters. Like they, the officials have put themselves in the storyline on purpose because mm-hmm. they want to be more important. So like, you know, there, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of uh, like gam like sports gambling things going on of like, yo, put a bet on how many penalties uh, John Smith is going to call. Uh, you know, that sort of shit. Now, everybody knows John Smith. He calls the third most offsides penalties in the league, you know, but but he also doesn't call holding as much as the average, like, you know, weird shit like that. It, they're too involved in the game and nobody likes it. And it's a thing that needs to change. Mm. Um, but not a lot of penalties in the Super Bowl. And everyone kind of knew that, that this was a, a officiating crew that wouldn't throw a lot of penalties. So that's good, you know, let them play. It's just that it has to be consistent. If you have one crew in one game that says, we're going to let them play, we're not going to call a lot of ticky-tacky fouls, that has to be the way that the entire sport is officiated every single game. Mm-hmm. You can you cannot have this, like, players are trying to get a feel for what the refs are going to call. Like, just, they need to be able to play the fucking game. Was that intentional grounding call overturned? Uh, which one? Uh, the one on or, Mahomes? Uh, Mahomes, yeah. Uh, Early or, in the game? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think it was. I, I think it stood. That's I mean, weird. That's a weird thing to get called, period, let alone in the Super Bowl, but okay. Intentional grounding? Or like, uh, no that's, eligible... What? That's that's a legitimate-ass penalty. It gets called all the time. Really? I, uh, 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 yeah. What do I know? If you're outside of the... They call it the tackle box. Like, it's the, the hashes where, you know... It's kind of an imaginary space, so it's weird, but like mm. from like where your left tackle to where your right tackle is, you know, th- that lineup on the field, you can you cannot throw the ball away while inside of that space. Mm. So if you get out of the pocket and you have to throw the ball away just to nobody fucking whatever, that's fine. But if you immediately, you know, get the ball, you see there's a free rusher and you throw it into the ground or you like throw it in the stands or, you know, throw it on the side of the field where there isn't a receiver. That's a penalty um, because that should have been a sack that that is the right um, kind of the theory or like the, the meaning with an intentional grounding is that it's a cheap way for a quarterback to avoid getting sacked when Mm -hmm. basically the refs are saying, no, that defensive player earned the sack. (laughs) You don't get to just, throw it away to fucking nobody even right. though they earned the sack on you it's right. it, it is a strange penalty until you kind of understand the like meaning of it i might have been confusing that with um like uh 
like what what's the one where there's no receiver where like you're just throwing it away and it's like well there was yeah it's intentional grounding oh that oh, all right I thought that wasn't called very often I mean it's not called multiple times a game but like yeah. I think I've I see intentional grounding called like you know the majority of football games like it, mm-hmm. at least half of them I'm getting Mandela affected right now but yeah it's just I so. I don't know. What makes something a good football season then? I I was asking like actual sports people on Blue Sky about this. And the most resounding answer I could get was. Well, if the primetime games are good more often than not, like it's a good season of football. And I'm kind of like that's scheduling more so than it is like the sport. This was a good year for the game. I I think that it's. Like having like the primetime games be good is part of having a good football season because that's those are the games that everybody's watching. But like, yeah, the the other games that are at noon mm. on a Sunday, you know, can also be really fucking good. Like those are they have just as much potential to be a good game. It's just fewer people see them. So they don't right. really count that in the, the narrative of the season. I will say, I think this was a good football season. There's a lot of underdogs, a lot of weird storylines. Aaron Rodgers didn't play, so that was great. Um, like, it it was, a, I think it was a good season. It was just su- super fucking weird. Um, Aaron Rodgers inching into a Victorian-style madness is definitely a, the most entertaining Aaron Rodgers has been to me in a while. Um, that dude is a fucking weirdo. Like, regardless... <laughs> Regardless of how you feel about him as a player or a person, like there should be no denying that at the very least, he's a fucking weirdo. Do you? Oh, yeah. So this is like a genuinely interesting uh, question I've heard circulating. Do you think he always would have metastasized to this level of weirdo? Or like, do you think, for example, if he landed the Jeopardy gig? Which, like, it's kind of a prerequisite that you be the most normcore dude on the planet if you're going to host Jeopardy. Do you think this just never comes out or it never gets this bad? Or do you think it is, I no, this is like Aaron Rodgers' essence at this point. It's it's something that's always been there inside of him and, like, most people just kind of ignored. But um, he just, he wasn't very public until a few years ago. And, like, I don't know if this is actually what made it happen or if like he had some sort of revelation while he did it. But that first time he did ayahuasca, mm-hmm. he said like, basically that was what made him decide to like, stop holding his feelings inside of him and be more like public and go on the shows and tell people how he feels about shit. I don't think that changed anything about him. I think it just made him more uh, inclined to tell people like what was going on inside of his brain. But, like, he had, like, fucking alien sightings and shit when he was in college. Yeah. He, uh, uh, so, like, so that, that sort of weirdness has been around for a while. I remember reading, this guy, this has to be, like, six years ago at this point, an article about him that everyone kind of thought was just a hit piece, um. which turns out in retrospect, it was actually just really good reporting. Um, because, like... This uh, I think the writer's name was Tyler Dunn or that might be somebody else. But um, he uh, he like basically interviewed a bunch of Aaron Rodgers old like teammates that weren't, you know, very publicly pro Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, minor teammates and shit like that. And we're like, this guy's fucking weird. He talks about chemtrails all the time. He thinks 9-11 was an inside job, but like nobody corroborated it. And like most of the people on his like PR team and his teammates were like, oh, let's put a lid on that. So they called it bullshit. And it, they said it was bad reporting. And I think the writer actually ended up losing his job over it or like moving to a different outlet. Mm. Um, and it like he like publicly like asked for an apology after all this Aaron Rodgers shit came out because he's like, this was all absolutely fucking true. This guy's a freak. Um, so, yeah, I think it's always been there. It's just he hasn't been very public about it. And maybe the frustration of not getting to the Super Bowl year after year after year, like maybe like slowly broke him down. It made him more bitter and like people going after him online Mm. for his now public beliefs, you know, probably made him entrench himself more. 
maybe he wasn't always as malicious as he is now, but I think that shit was always there. That, yeah, that's, that's the common read I've seen as well. Um, I've did a little bit of Googling. Uh, Tyler Dunn uh, is a sports writer. Um, at the time, I think he was writing for Bleacher Report when that came out. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and if people want to support him and his writing, he currently has a sub stack called Go Long. And uh, yeah, I think I might subscribe to that after this if he's telling it like it is in an actually uh, like good and like public, publicly beneficial way. Um, speaking of writing, speaking of writers, I'm one of those. I had an article go up on uh, IGN, uh, an outlet we have ridiculed many times on this podcast, but I'm still enthused to uh, have been paid to write for them. Uh, and if you'll indulge me, Andrew, uh, world, um, can I go through the comments that people left on this article? The the article about like the 1980s Japanese book series that uh, led to the persona video games. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I want, that was, that was the premise of the article. Uh, and I want people to know because, you know, I feel like people who don't, uh, who aren't in the content creation space, aren't in the digital media space. Don't like, they have an idea. Oh, you're supposed to like, listen to feedback. You're supposed to like internalize what people are saying. And like, this is how you improve by getting like a uh, good criticism. Let me show y'all what I'm dealing with. Uh, the first comment, this was left within 10 minutes of the article going live. I actually just read half of that. Can't remember the last time I've said that about an IGN article. Very informative. <laughs> that Look, that is praise. It's it's somewhat backhanded, but like that is praise. I do think they know that they just did negging. I don't, I don't, dude, they want you, they want you real fucking bad. Uh, then the person like who replied immediately after them, uh, just left seven vomiting emojis. Uh, someone responded to that with no, did the word no. Uh, then we got a couple like, uh, genre specific stuff that I won't bore people with. Someone did say great article. IGN needs more content like this. And I'm appreciative of that one. Yeah, was was that uh, uh was that a uh, commenter uh Pukas writer or whatever? No, no, that was Mando four four six four six. I I don't know if that's random numbers or if that's also a Star Wars reference. But thank you, Mando. Uh, but then the next response was, "It's a game. Not sure why bring politics into it." That has to be sarcastic. It has to be. I. They also left like four spaces between a period and the next word. So I, maybe, maybe, hopefully. Uh, someone voicing uh solidarity and that it is bonkers that uh, they chose to take a woman playable character out of the game in this remake. <laughs> Uh, which I still think is bonkers. I think I used baffling in the article, but I think I wanted to use bonkers and my editor uh, maybe correctly pushed back on that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and then me just... And then someone saying I was wrong to... I was wrong to say that people have criticized this franchise for not being great towards women and queer people. And then them linking to all of the articles that I used to source that complaint and being like, nah, these don't count. Like they quote. Yeah, I don't know. The internet, the internet is weird. Don't look at comments. I just look did this time because fuck it but yeah um, i mean look dude as far as internet comments go like this is this is winning like this is the best that anyone could possibly hope for in internet feedback like good good fucking job man oh thank you i appreciate that um and also yeah okay uh in my low-key quest to find the worst comment sections on the internet, IGN, uh, not at the top of that list, actually. Thankfully. Good for you guys for curating that audience. Um, a lot of people say YouTube. 
Uh, I think it is manga pirate sites. Those I, uh, those ain't good. I don't know, dude. Jade shows me like the comment section of TikToks all the time. Uh, it is bad. Capital B bad on cool. there. Maria, she says hi, by the way. Uh, Maria, yeah, shows me Instagram real comments and like, Anytime it is one of those am I the asshole like uh style videos like the the podcast where yeah. like people go through that it is boy people will uh, always agree with the person who is wondering if they are the asshole regardless if they are an asshole or not they are like no you're not an asshole you were you were right to not want to give your stepchildren any of your any of the money you got from your grandfather like yeah keep that for the biological child spot but what's not fucked is sony's first state of play of 2024 actually it kind of is and like this it was pretty fucked i mean yeah i the video game landscape is so rapidly different rapidly changing from when we were getting into video games that I am like not dude ah oh, I got whiplash um yeah. Death Stranding 2 on the beach has a subtitle has a trailer has doing release it again year like yeah next year dude it this is probably the weirdest Death Stranding trailer that I've seen <laughs> like a, a game series that has a dozen trailers all of which are so intentionally like obtuse and obscure and strange and off-putting mm. this is probably the biggest offender <laughs> this this is so fucking weird what's it the weird like joker robot zombie glam rock troy baker do we know what higgs looked like in the first game did we i know we choked him out but um yeah yeah he he took his mask off okay Oh, and he was normal. Okay, well, he was fucking like he was a guy, like Jesusy he... under there, but like still okay. But no, now he's a clown man with an electric electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, a double electric guitar, and he fights a baby that's hacking a robot samurai. I supposedly. <laughs> do you do you think Kojima knows that the fucking hand scarf that quiet is wearing is like quickly becoming like a kink icon that everyone wants that everyone so wants the the choke I, me hands i fucking hated that yeah that, it's not choke me hands it's like gasping covering your mouth hands it's a gas mask that just looks like hands but also is like completely sentient and like free moving I, it is li- horrifying and then the stop motion keychain guy yeah what the fuck is with that why i saw so many animators popping off online being like okay yeah and i want this puppet animated in like 12 frames per second while everything else is 60 and people dying people dying having to figure out how to do that um to go back to the hands for a second uh i thought we had run out of cool ways to light a cigarette but just hacking a glove on your on your neck and do it with their thumb. Yeah, all right, we found a new cool way. Um, is fragile not old anymore? Yeah, I don't know because like it looked like her hand looked normal, and then she touched the f- floating ghost lady. Yeah, and got old again. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I'm calling it now. That floating ghost lady is gonna be Lou from the yeah, future or something like yeah yeah or lou just grew up really fast from going to the beach or some shit i don't know um was i forget at the end of death stranding did lou stop being magic is that a real plot i remember something happened with her um after she came back to life which i think some people like interpreted as amelie like did him a favor right by like sending Lou back to the land of the living or something but uh-huh. after that happened the the death stranding was over right know? So, like he walked out into the rain and it was fine like the time fall you know was meaningless now yeah. like 
I don't know if that like ended everything or if just time fall or whatever. I think the it kind of seemed like the Death Stranding was over. Right. But like the Death Stranding was the cataclysm, right? Like that was the everything's gonna get old and end now, not just the uh I, I think the time fall might still be that it might be independent. The 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 Death Stranding was like the whole situation it wasn't like the singular event it was the whole thing counted as the death stranding the bts the oil monsters the time fall um all that shit was Mm. part of the death stranding i here the weird thing about death stranding and i don't know if i can say this about any other video game um, I remember the themes of that game. I remember the politics and the points that it was making so well. But the plot is fuzzy. The specific detail, I don't know. I was Lou was Lou Sam? Oh no, no because Lou's a girl. Lou is Lou was just a baby. No, but she was um Hideo, uh, Hideo Kojima's best friend, the Dutch guy, uh his his daughter. Um Cliff. Cliff's daughter, right? No. What? No? You mean Mads Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen, yes. Yeah, no. Sam is Mads Mikkel is Cliff's son. Oh, and okay. Th- that was the whole bait and switch is that you kind of thought, because he was like, I want my BB. <laughs> like, Sam thought that he was trying to take Lou. But the whole thing was that, like, it turns out the memories that Sam was experiencing, you know, in the flashbacks, that wasn't Lou. Right. When he would connect a Lou, it like made him in touch with his mm-hmm. baby self. And so he remembered like what happened there. And so Sam is Cliff's son. That's right. Who, who grew up. And it wasn't clear at the start of the game that the president of the United States, who is also his love interest, uh, was that was his adoptive it, mother. And and sister. I and don't sister. Think- I don't think it was his love interest. That was the thing. Is that like, uh, okay? It was his sister, but the vibes were weird. The uh, yeah, the the president of the United States is his adopted mom and adopted sister, uh, but weird vibes on both ends. Yeah, I and that's why they and that's why they fritter so quick in the game like that. We don't we don't need to explore that. We don't need to get into these details. Uh, yeah, except then we kind of spend the rest of the game getting into those details. Um. So yeah, that game's coming out in 2025. Uh, but Kojima is also making a new action espionage game called Fizzent that... Oh, it has a name? I didn't yeah. know it had a name. Uh, th- that, you know, people are describing, he is describing as kind of going back to Metal Gear, like doing a new Metal Gear without the baggage of that franchise, without uh, that being a Konami-owned franchise, which... A lot of people are excited about this, but I'm kind of like, hey, Death Stranding feels like such a natural evolution of both the themes and gameplay of the Metal Gear games that I don't know if this is the best. I I disagree, because I, okay. I think at its core, Death Stranding is not supposed to be an action game. And I really hate the sequences in that game where it makes you shoot guns and shit like yeah for one thing i don't think it's very good at doing it but two it kind of messes with the themes and like the rest of the game that i think is really good i boss fights it's better but when you're just taking out like jobbers it's a little yeah well this is a different video game yeah jade asked me like it was like 20 minutes before that trailer came out like i was playing a video game and you know i was shooting people she's like how She's like, how come all video games have guns? Like, how, like, why aren't there any other like video games that don't? I'm like, well, that's that's not true. Like, lots of video games don't have guns. And like, I play a lot of a lot of those games. I'm like, you play a lot of those games. And she's like, yeah, that's true. Um, and I said, like, Death Stranding, for example, is like one of my favorite games of the last few years. And like, it's not really an action game. Like, you have mm-hmm. the option to like do some shooty stuff, but it's it's really not necessary and it's like not very fun. So like, you know, hopefully the new game like really gets like far away from that. And the first thing that happens in that trailer is Sam walks into his room and quiet or not quiet. Uh, fragile is like, and here's the gun room, Sam. <laughs> it's the room for all of your guns. 
I in this game, like they're expanding the network to Mexico, Mexico. Or Mex- yeah, I. <laughs> Maybe other places too. I don't know. They specifically mentioned Mexico. I but... am. I'm curious how they do a hard reset, or if yeah, yeah, this is more of a Jedi Fallen Order thing, where it's like, oh no, yeah, you get all the shit. It's just that there's more shit now, and like now the now it's Mexican oil monsters, which are tougher. Yeah. Um. Uh, Stellar Blade, aka Dumb Near Automata, got a new trailer. Um, Dumb near it, <laughs> boy. If you want the sexy lady from near Automata, but none of the progressive politics or themes that make a character looking like that more okay in a video game, Stellar Blade has you covered. I don't know. I I saw some reviewers. I saw some reviewers talking about this game, being like, "Yeah, yeah, this will probably be fun. This will probably be whatever." And it like. Wow, you guys have really settled for like what this medium should be, what art should be. And I'm saying this as someone who genuinely like Nier Automata, but it's like, hey, if you want the if you want the dumb Starbucks version of Nier Automata, Stellar Blade, perfect for you. Oh. Uh, there's a new trailer for the Silent Hill 2 remake uh, and a PT style short Silent Hill game titled The Short Message uh, just dropped. Um through totally legal and legitimate means, I played the first hour of Silent Hill 2 over the weekend. First one uh, is a stronger opening. And I was a little surprised by that because I had heard that Silent Hill 2 was supposed to be the best one in that series. But uh, huh. yeah, a little bit of a miss for me so far. Uh, there's a new trailer for a game called Judas from Bioshock creator Ken Levine. It just looks like a new Bioshock it game. Does, it really does. It really does just look like Bioshock. Which is fine. Like, that's not an issue. The issue is that that game had a a notorious production cycle. And for them to, like, go through several iterations just for it to be like, ah, yeah, let's just make Bioshock again is kind of hilarious. Um, Dragon's Dogma 2 looks sick as hell. Going to be out March uh, 22nd. Um, Rise of Ronin also out on March 22nd. Uh, I'm not going to play that one, but I do appreciate that there's a piece of media that's like... There's a stereotype in fiction writing where like samurai samurai are depicted as like, oh, we have a philosophy around our blades. We're we're sword guys. This is sick. This is honorable. When in real life, like the second samurai could get guns, they were like, oh, fuck, yeah, we can totally suppress the serfs better this way. Uh, And I like that this game is acknowledging that. Yeah. Uh, Until Dawn is getting a remaster also. Um, Yeah. Also, a bunch of Xbox exclusives are maybe coming to PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> Console wars are over. Uh, I don't... It's so... It... Are we just not going to be able to, like, pay money for a product anymore? Is that the trend that, like, all of commerce is heading in? Because that's what this feels like. That's definitely what they're aiming for that it that is what the i mean especially xbox playstation is trying to do it they're just not very good at it like especially xbox mm-hmm. is moving towards the the game as a live service model right and like streaming video games and like subscription services you know not even just getting rid of like physical media but like kind of getting rid of the idea of purchasing mm-hmm even a digital item and saying, this is mine. I own this. Like it, you know, you get a service and maybe it goes away at some point. Like, and if you stop paying the like subscription, you don't get access to it anymore. Which is. (sighs) It's weird to see Microsoft still heading in this direction after the television and film industry had a reckoning over the summer about how not sustainable that business model is. It's working with video games, man. It's working better. Like it really is. I, yeah. And like, I understand like if you're a very specific kind of video game consumer, I, which is to say a lot more casual of one than what I am. Like I get why that's appealing for now, but I don't know. I'm just so cynical about any technology that's 
like framing framed as like disruptive as like well okay this is just going to turn into a scam eventually like the way uber was like the way i netflix and other subscription services are i i don't know it's weird and i guess it's especially weird that like Xbox doesn't have to put out a console anymore, you know? Like, the whole thing with the Xbox One was them framing it as, like, this is going to be, this is going to be your, like, entertainment system. Like, this is going to be, like, everything you want to watch, everything you want to play is going to be through Xbox. And then smart TVs took off dramatically. So, I, my money is, like, Xbox isn't going to put out another console, probably. They're just going to try to get, like, Game Pass on every... The smart TV and either through like, I don't know, TVs basically being medium power computers now or through like being able to stream or live play uh, games remotely. Like just be that's how they get over like graphical fidelity issues. That's how they get over hardware issues. And that's yeah, I mean, like PlayStation is trying to do some stuff like that with mobile, like the the weird PlayStation streaming, whatever it yeah. was called. That we kind of talked about like who the fuck that is was, this for that was bad I, that was the sunk cost fallacy project yeah i i think that there's going to be a lot of iterations of like them trying different things and maybe in a couple of years you know maybe maybe you're right i know phil spencer said like maybe even yesterday like hey guys we will continue making consoles <laughs> we're not going to stop making consoles i don't know if that's true or not but you know yeah i mean there's probably going to be a bunch of weird shit that comes out in the next decade maybe video games stop <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i it and i will say another weird thing that's like been tangential to this conversation i don't like a lot of people reporting on this it's like frames like an xbox versus sony playstation thing and like I understand Nintendo in many ways is, is its own weird beast, but as far as like commerce goes, hey, they seem to be doing great just being like, yeah, we make video games and things you can play video games on. And that has worked really well for us this past couple of years, at least. And I don't know if that'll hold with rumors of a Switch 2 circulating now more than ever, but like, I, I'm much more inclined to that than like, I'm going to get Xbox Game Pass and then not play most of the stuff on there and feel bad about it. Like, God, I'm gonna let an app give me FOMO. That's that's fucked up. Um, no. IGN writers unionized. Let's hey. do. I hope that has a ripple effect. I don't have a lot to say about this other than like every workplace should maybe be unionized. But uh, super cool that uh, more unions and digital media, as digital media is becoming increasingly difficult to work in. John Stewart is coming back to the Daily Show. Yeah, tonight, actually. Ah, topical. Just Mondays. Ah, but someone else the rest of the week, or is it a one-a-week show well, now? Well, what they've done ever since Trevor Noah left is they have, like, a like each week there's a different host. Oh. It's, like, a guest host, and, like, sometimes it's, like, regular contributors. Sometimes it's just, like, random comedians or, like, politicians or actors or whatever. But, yeah, it's been, like, a different host every week for, like... I mean, when did he leave? Like two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so Mondays now will be John Stewart, and then the rest of the week will, you know, probably be that you know rotating weekly host. I thought John Stewart left like eight years ago. I thought no, we no, were no, top... Tre Trevor. Noah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. I, all right. I mean, that's. I'm glad John Stewart is uh, still getting work after his contract with Apple kind of uh, blew up spectacularly. But I don't know, after such a decisive leave and such like end of an era, uh, his departure from The Daily Show was kind of crystallizing maybe some broader changes in like the sociopolitical landscape. It's weird that he's back. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see how he aged, you know? I want to see... And like I, I have a feeling that he'll age pretty well, but like mm -hmm. I want to know how he looks in today's landscape. That's fair. So the Messenger, a self-branded, unbiased news outlet, has shut down. Uh, this is typical for media outlets in 2024. But what's interesting in this case is just how woefully mismanaged it was. Uh, 
with leaders there blowing through 50 million in seed money in less than a year. Yeah. Um, so like I know people, I I have writing peers who were personally impacted, like they were writing for the messenger and uh found out from that New York Times article that they didn't have a job anymore, uh, which is fucked. But also, yeah, like they reading some of the reporting around this is wild. They bought three offices none of which they needed for a remote and largely distributed news team. Um, Top-level executives were making, like, for a startup, ridiculous amounts of money, like, established, like, we're about to be bought out levels of uh, income they were receiving, not hey, we have this amount of money to work with and no more coming our way for the foreseeable future, uh, largely because they had no kind of monetization model that was stable. It is just, it's farcical to see this happening. Hell yeah. I mean, that's that's robbery. Like that is, yeah. someone said, let's make a startup so that we can take all of the seed money, make it look like we're doing a job. And then at the end of the day, we all make $10 million. Like. I <laughs> Like, fuck it, you do that. I would. Right. <laughs> like, I guess if I could convince, like, people who have venture capital levels of wealth to, like, give me money, and then, like, oh, no, sorry, the business fucked up, and I walk away with a couple mil, it's like, well, I'm coming out of this clean. Yeah. But the I feel like maybe there should be a lawsuit take, in there, but... Uh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. They probably had to make enough of an effort to make it look like it was just a failed business rather than intentional negligence but i don't know man i mean like hey increasingly in this landscape like if you're a writer and you can get a steady gig for any amount of time that is better than most writers but now nah, it it's fucked and the system should be better um the 2026 men's world cup will be held in metlife stadium in what is being branded as new york slash new jersey may god have mercy on our souls I was under the impression that the World Cup required, you know, several stadiums to play in, like, concurrently as different matches were happening at the same time. Is this all going to take place on one, again, American football field? I I don't know. I think maybe this is distributed. Maybe there are, like, auxiliary fields that they'll be playing some of the uh, less um, eyeball-drawing matches. But... I don't know, man. We're we're about to see a lot of like hardcore Europeans experience some of the most American parts of America. It's also and... a turf field. Like it's yeah. a turf oh. field. It's gonna suck. <laughs> oh, to see so many torn ACLs. Ah, uh, this is weird. And uh, I don't know. I feel as I am nearing the end of the Sopranos, I feel like the slash New Jersey branding on all of this is a. Uh, a Tony Soprano type, like uh, exerting some influence there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's MetLife Stadium. Both the New York Giants and the New York Jets play in the same stadium that's in New Jersey. Like, I don't need to make that many jokes about it because so many no. people already have, but it's like, it's not New York. It's not. There's not enough room in New York. That's <laughs> fine. Don't call yourself the New York anything. You're the New that. Jersey Jets. That's all God, you that fucking are. Better. The New Jersey Jets sounds better. The New Jersey Giants, maybe not so much, nah. but New Jersey Jets, yeah, embrace it. You're a New Jersey team. People in New York City don't like you. <laughs> That's fine. You guys suck ass. You're not worthy of them. Ignore it. Just because yeah. just embrace how shitty in New Jersey you are. But what? <laughs> uh, it, you know what? Especially after Aaron Rodgers hilariously getting hurt at the start of this season. Yeah, maybe the Jets need to embrace that they're a cursed franchise. Maybe that's maybe that's better for them, better for all involved. Yeah, it's a little sympathy some support. Some Madame Zeroni shit. Like. Ugh. Hey, so I played about two hours of Foam Stars, and that game is fucked up. I do still want to play it. I want to play it with you. I'm not going to play it on my own. I... I do want to still see what what is fucking going on, but right, so as tell me a, what you mean by fucked up. So like, this is one of the most tonally dissonant pieces of media I have ever experienced. Ah, uh, we're talking about ludo narrative dissonance. 
so in the in the opening in the mandatory like 20 minute tutorial section uh which it doesn't need to be that long like to the game's credit like a lot of it's fairly intuitive um a guy is like hey so you are not killing people in this game okay i cannot stress it enough there is no killing in foam stars when you do this thing where you trap people in a bubble of foam and then like crash into them full body weight with a surfboard uh, and send them flying through the air. That is chilling. You are chilling them because, you know, people get so worked up about foam and being a foam stars that they got to chill. Uh, n- no killing, not killing. You are chilling them. Um, Yeah, real dumb. I don't know. But then there is, like, this game is taking place, like, in a fictionalized version of Las Vegas called Bath Vegas, because everything in this game is a pun. And so it is just the backdrop of, like, opulence, of, like, Las Vegas-style, like, wealth, like, money. But then all of the characters have, like, very clithy, vaguely progressive personality traits, like, there's one woman uh, who I played as uh, the most because her gun is just, it's closest thing to a basic assault rifle in the game. Uh, her whole thing is that, like, oh, she was raised by penguins and she is there because she wants to put an end to global warming. She wants to stop climate change. And it's like, how, what, how are you doing that? Like, yeah. How, how is that related to the foam battles? Yeah. I guess. She's going to make money from the foam battles to put a stop to climate change. But it's like, no, this setting nullifies any positive thing that this character is trying to do. Because, like, this setting is the problem. (laughs) Like, this opulent, like, the city of Las Vegas should not exist at that scale. Like, it is just not conducive to that environment for that many people to be living there like that. And that is, like, it, it... this character should be frustrated with where, like, all of this, with, like, having to participate in the system that is directly contributing to climate change. But that never comes up. Like, that can't be explored because, principally, this game has to be, like, well, this is what the kids want, right? To be rich and famous and vaguely idealistic. Um, there's also a character who is a pop star in this game and, like, over one of, like, the... The barks, the news clips, the, like, radio broadcasts that are playing in the background. You hear about, ah, her latest single just hit the top of the charts, and it's about inclusivity and overcoming our differences. And it's like, well, what's going... No, it can't just be about, like, those vague ideas. There has to be, like, some kind of there there. And it's like, oh, she was bullied as a child because her body makes the foam that they're shooting out of their guns which is super weird and kind of destrandian but it's like i mean yeah that's weird but you are you gonna bring this up and not get into like systemic issues like how racism how excluding like groups of people is codified into laws or is this like just a vague generality of why why it's bad to be mean to minorities uh and also like there are 50 dollar like skins for characters in this game like it costs as much as a video game to get a skin for one character in this game and it's like what the it feels evil to me that like there are characters in this game who are vaguely dressed up as progressive ideas uh, ideas a lot of young people hold but they're just being exploited. These beliefs and identities are just being exploited so that a company can make money. Um, and that's why it's fucked up. All right. How's true detective night country. It's fucked up, man. Okay. How so? Um, so tr- it's very good. I'll, I'll okay. start off by saying that I'm really enjoying it. I only have like one episode left. All which right. hasn't come out yet, so I'm completely caught up. It's short. It's only six episodes, but um, it's Jodie Foster and some other... I mean, she she's the famous one. Like, I don't know who any of the other actors are, but Jodie Foster is kind of a <laughs> vaguely racist old bitch cop in... Jesus. Uh, I Look, 
if you watch this show, you would agree. <laughs> um, in like this mining town in northern Alaska, where you know it's called Night Country because it's in the part of Alaska that for six months out of the year the sun doesn't rise. Oh, yeah. It's just dark the whole fucking time. And uh her I wouldn't say partner because they're like at odds most of the time, but they're working together even though they're so different. Um this young uh black and indigenous uh police officer who works for a different police force are like you know trying to solve this murder uh of like a bunch of scientists at a research station that is somehow tied to a murder of like a an indigenous woman who disappeared several years beforehand and like there's a lot of commentary about indigenous land Mm -hmm. and the the plight of like indigenous women all over the country not just alaska that like routinely go missing and nobody gives a shit um and then also uh police brutality and mental illness and it is really fucking scary (laughs) like this this is a detective like you know crime noir show it's horrifying it is it is a scary horror show it really leaned into that of like there's ghosts maybe i don't know (laughs) like there's ghosts and shit it is it's a scary show there's like weird cult shit going on um no it's really good i'm I'm enjoying it uh jodie foster kind of getting back to the silence of the lambs roots Mm. that put her on the map that's one of my favorite movies of all time but uh yeah it's it's a good time if you want to be spooked and also watch some good acting Give True Detective a shot. Did uh did they hot drop the entire season or have they done uh like it's, weekly releases? It's weekly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, watched I I had been uh waiting to watch the show until I went on this trip so that I could like watch it on the plane. Okay. So uh not a not a show I ended up watching on the plane because it's not <laughs> appropriate for public viewing when there's like children sitting behind you. Uh but I did I did watch it over the weekend. Uh, the first five episodes. So there's nice. one left. That is, yeah. that is a great, that is a great way to spend a sick weekend. Like yeah. props for that. Um, can you give me a, uh, can you give me a quick ranking of the true detective seasons? Like, uh, I haven't best watched of... the other ones. Uh, what? I haven't watched them. I thought you watched the first season. Nope. I you gave me that on DVD without watching it. I got it for you because we watched the wire together what was that freshman or sophomore year of college? Uh, and I heard, yo, if you guys like The Wire, you would like True Detective season one. So I bought that for you so that because I thought you might like it, but then you never watched it. And then <laughs> you moved away. So we didn't watch it together. <laughs> uh, OK, I'll probably give it a watch now that I've watched this season and I liked uh. it so much. I mean, it's a it's an anthology series. Each season is different. Right. Right. So. Huh. OK. I've got a follow up to that. I'm glad uh, you're enjoying uh, Night Country. Um, Night Country. Uh, I, maybe we'll talk about this again when uh, Ryan's here, but I just wanted to shout out uh, because when. Video games do something sick as hell. I want everyone to know that uh, a video game did something sick as hell. That was a dope fight in Baldur's Gate 3 in our last campaign. Yeah, I think we had both played it once before. And it yes. is a tough fight. It, like, you've lost that fight, right? You've oh, lost yeah. and had to restart it. Yeah, it's it's got some stakes to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even know what would happen if you lost that fight and managed to like actually beat the secondary fight that I think you're supposed to lose, but you know, it would be possible to, to win. Right. What happens there? What happens if just fucking everybody dies? So as I am thinking this out, um, if everyone dies there, uh, you are locked out of, uh, two different characters, like quest lines going forward. Um, and I think later on when you do the attack on moonrise tower, you're, that is much harder because you're now doing that solo. Okay, so I haven't gotten a Moonrise Tower before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like it is a good fight. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's some tough enemies, and then there's like a very specific goal of stop this woman from being taken despite her <laughs> bad uh like I don't know if it's an AI thing or if they're just trying to make it more difficult by having I... her throw herself 
I, I don't... <laughs> Uh, if we haven't made it clear already, uh, this is the Moonrise Inn fight, uh, that surprise attack, uh, with the bird guy and the demons. Um, yeah, my headcanon, uh, especially, this is a minor spoiler, but, uh, especially with Isabel, uh, being a queer character in a, uh, in a lesbian relationship, uh, my headcanon is that she does not like being a high priestess. She does not like being in this religion and too high up in this religion to bail, so she is actively looking for an out. Um, but yeah, no, just that. <laughs> it's really great game design. And like Dungeons and Dragons has really great game design where we kind of won that on accident. Like we came in yeah. as prepared as we could be, but then just little things lining up to be successful. Uh, the top of mind is that ice dagger that Gale did freezing the blood that we didn't realize was on the ground and then the main bad guy slipping on that so we despite having just, wings despite having wings uh so he couldn't just walk over and like Take bonk isabel was oh my god that was amazing and like when it like that emergent narrative gameplay where things are just like lining up and giving you the opportunity to seize on that moment and it makes it feel real it makes it feel like something that would happen in an actual sport or real life. And that's, I know, that's cool. That's sick as hell. All right. That's everything on the planning doc. What the hell are we going to call this one? Uh, 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 Troy Baker and his electric, electric guitar. Troy Baker. And his electric, electric guitar. All right. That'll do it for episode 244 of the Voluntary Viewing Podcast. Troy Baker and his electric, electric guitar. If you like what you heard, like, comment, subscribe. Check us out Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, highlight clips, uh, act blue link in the description. Support us on Patreon and join the likes of the terrific Tiffany Cole and Sucky Badger. Um... I'm on Blue Sky. I, 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 I'm leaving the Twitter place behind me. Follow me on Blue Sky. Lucas the writer. And Blue Sky is free now. Everyone can get in on that. You should get in on that. It's better Twitter. All right. That's all I got. Thank you all for listening. And hope you all have a great week ahead. Goodbye. Goodbye.